So you people are late. I don't know why you're not here. First uh, Chronicles 21, it says this, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Uh, and so then it goes on with the whole account that we see here uh, in, in Samuel. Uh, but we see some differences that go on. Uh, and one of those differences is that Satan stood up uh, uh, and tempted David. David fell for it, and, and so the Lord allowed it. But the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Uh, and uh, so we, we see the, the, the differences that are there, but as you put the Word of God together, you see all those things that come to pass, those things that come as we think, well, God, you're, you're evil, you're wrong, uh, but it isn't God. It's the enemy, God allowing it just to show us our own hearts uh, because as the enemy tempts us and, and these temptations come into our lives and press us down and weigh us down, uh, we get to see our hearts. It isn't that, that God is doing anything. He just allows us to see our hearts and hopefully we do something with those hearts that say, Lord, <laughs> I need your strength. Uh, but a lot of times we enter into sin because we think God is pushing us that direction and it's not God's fault. God, why'd you allow me to marry this unbeliever? <laughs> it isn't God's fault. Uh, he, he just allows those things to go on so that we can see where our heart goes and what happened to our heart in the midst of it. So back in Samuel here, but again, hold your place in Chronicles because we'll be back. Uh, it says uh, in verse 2, uh, For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba, and that's just a, uh, just a picture of being from the very furthest part north to the very furthest part south. So from north to south, go through and number the people that I may know the number of the people. Uh, not that God has told me, but it, that I may know. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit puts these words in there, that I may know the number of the people and Joab said to the king, and it's amazing because to me, Joab is not saved, um, but he has some logic in him. And he says to the king, now the Lord, your God, uh, and I like the way the Holy Spirit puts that in there, that it's your God, uh, add unto the people how many soever they be, and hundredfold that the eyes of my Lord, the king, may see it. But why doth my lord the king delight in this thing? Uh, what's going on with you, David? Uh, and he's seen David do some strange things, some awful things, some harsh things. Uh, and so Joab, in a sense, that, that unbeliever that's there, but, but just showing him, David, you're, you're supposedly the king, you're supposedly this Christian man, what are you doing? And it's hard when the world tells us you're not acting like the Christian that you say that you are. Uh, and boy, you come to that place and you just realize uh, God has his ways of, of uh, coming to us, of just uh, helping us to see that, that maybe I'm going in the wrong direction. And certainly in this place, David could have stopped right there uh, and said, maybe I need to seek the Lord on this, but he doesn't. And Boy, we reap the consequences of our sins so often, but thank goodness there's forgiveness with God. But boy, we don't want to come against the Lord in any way. And that should be our heart. Lord, I, I don't want to come against you in any way. 
So if I'm going in the wrong direction in any way, Lord, please stop me, whether through an unbeliever, whether through circumstances or events, but please uh, just help me to walk in the right way and, and walk with you. Um, and so it says in verse four, notwithstanding the king's word prevailed against Joab, he submits to the king. Uh, it wasn't against Joab, it was uh, the king's decision and against the captains of the host. And Joab and the captains of the host went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. Uh, and it's interesting, with all of David's life, there's always been battles, there's always been the enemy coming in and, and battles going on and things happening. And evidently there must be a peace at this time because they're not worried about any of the enemies coming in. They're, they're, they're going out to number the people. They're taking a census. And the general, Joab, <laughs> is going out with him. <laughs> uh, amazing. So there must be peace at this time. There must be a sense of peace at this time uh, for this to happen. Uh, the king's word prevailed against Joab, against the captains of the host. Uh, and Joab and the captains of the host went out from the presence to number the people of Israel. And you and I, certainly the application needs to be for this is that when there's peace in our lives, we need to be careful of the decisions that we're making just as much as we need to be careful about the decisions when there's a battle going on. And when there's a battle going on for you and I spiritually or, or physically, we see it, we're counting on the things of the Lord, we're looking to the Lord for instruction, uh, we're looking for our commander in chief to give us the direction that we need to go. But when there's a peace going on, when there's been victory, and now there, there's a sense of peace around us and a sense of calmness, sometimes we don't look to the Lord. We just go on with it because, hey, there's peace here. Everything must be cool. Let's go. <laughs> and boy, we need to be just as careful in those times as we do when there's a huge battle going on in front of us. When we hear that there's cancer, and we immediately go to the Lord and start... Uh, seeking the Lord in, in his ways. When there's a calmness and a peace and nothing's going on physically, spiritually, it seems like the, the enemy is still there at work. He doesn't quit just because we don't see anything going on. We need to be just as careful at this time as we do when the big things come. And it says, when they passed over the Jordan and pitched in Arar uh, on the right side of the city <coughs> uh, of uh, of the city that lieth in the midst of the river of Gad and toward Jazer. And they came to Gilead and to the land of uh, Tatim Hadshai, or whatever it is. And they came to Danjan about to Zidon. And they came to the stronghold of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And they went to the south of Judah, e even to Beersheba. And when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem. Look at this, at the end of nine months and 20 days. <laughs> Took them nine months and 20 days to get a census in this little land of Israel that everybody's against. Not that many people there. Uh, but but it took that long to find out all these people. Remember, there's no cell phones. There's no social media, thank goodness. Uh, there's none of this other stuff going on. We think technology is wonderful. Sometimes it is, but uh, a lot of times it is not. But Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king, and there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men 
that drew the sword and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. So we have this uh, 1,300,000 men uh, army uh, that, that have come, that, that are valiant men, that are in that age group that where they could handle the sword, where they could be soldiers. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful in one way. I can't get drafted anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know what? We're never too old to be in the battle. Never too old. Don't think just because you're retirement age that you can stop being in the battle with the Lord because the Lord has no retirement age for being in the battle with the enemy of our soul. Uh, we're always going to be in that battle, always be on guard and always be that good soldier, ready and, and willing and waiting for the Lord to work. And it says that David's heart, after he's heard this, it smote him. David, where was your heart before? <laughs> What happened all of a sudden that, that now your heart smites you that you had numbered the people? After it was all done, the enemy says, I got him now. He, he's on the bad list with the Lord, and I've got him. He's going to be destroyed. He's going to be taken out of the way, and I can come in and just wreak havoc in Israel. David heart, David's heart smote him. Aren't you thankful, though? that even though we sin sometimes, that our heart smites us, even if it's afterwards. Because that just shows a growth in our relationship with the Lord. Because before, it didn't bother us what we did. But if it bothers us now, thank you, Lord, that you're changing my heart. And thank you, Lord, that I have this conscience that you've awakened to the truth. Because David, in that place, repents, turns, always comes to the Lord. You read Psalm 51 and you look at it, against you, Lord, have I sinned, forgive me. And he knows the forgiveness of God. He knows the love of God. And thank goodness for that, that we have that. And aren't you glad that we can have forgiveness? That those things aren't gonna be counted to us when we go before the Lord uh, and he starts writing out these things because our sins are covered in the blood of Jesus. Judgment has been poured out on our sin on the cross. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that those things are under the blood. Oh, boy, uh, his heart smites him that he had numbered the people. Because remember, God didn't tell him to do it. He told Moses to do it twice, but he didn't tell David to do it. David, for some reason, wanted to have this, this number of the people that he could count on that would be with him if the battle rose up again. And you would think after all the battles that he's gone through, after the amount of men that he had had in, in, against an enemy that was innumerable and yet God had wrought a victory, that he wouldn't even bother. But for some reason, and we know it was the enemy in, in First Chronicles, we saw it, uh, that, he, that he tempted him, that he put him in that place of going to number the people. I need to know how many people I have with me. And isn't it sad that sometimes we count on other people more than we count on our relationship with the Lord? The more people I have with me, the better off I feel. Not always the case, because a lot of times the Lord puts you alone in circumstances just so that you can know your own heart. It doesn't matter how many people are around you. It feels like you're all alone. And God does that in different seasons just to show us that we need him 
even in the place that we're in now. There's, there's times I can be in church and I can feel completely alone. It's just like, Lord, what is going on? He goes, I want you to see me in the midst of this. I don't want you to see people's heads nodding as you're, you, as you're teaching scripture. I want you to know me in this. I don't want you to be affirmed by the people that are nodding their heads. I, I want you to know that I'm nodding my head. It doesn't matter if they're nodding their head. They could be just doing it because they're, they're falling asleep and they're trying to stay awake. You know how you nod your head and you just wake up again. They may be doing that. Don't count on them. You count on me. Oh, Lord, help. Lord, help us to just count on the things of the Lord. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly. Notice where he goes to right away. And isn't that wonderful that he doesn't wait like he's done before? Remember when he sinned with Bathsheba, it was 16 months before he came to the Lord and finally acknowledged his sin. He's learned a little bit, we hope, we pray. And hopefully we've learned a little bit that as instantly as we realize that we've sinned against the things of the Lord, that we come to the Lord and say, Lord, I've sinned. We take ownership of our sin. And isn't it sad? We've got a whole generation that won't take ownership of their sin, of their responsibility, of their wrongdoings. I've done nothing wrong. I'm okay. I'm better than he is. And what is that? That's just transference. That's not taking ownership. <laughs> That's just saying, well, I'm not as bad as them, so I got to be okay. That's not ownership. Lord, I sinned. And it doesn't matter how small or how big. Lord, help us to take ownership of our sin and come to you quickly with it so that it can be covered under the blood, so that you can minister to us in that place. But again, there's always consequences, and we're going to see the consequences that come here. David said to the Lord, I've sinned greatly in that I, that I have done and now I beseech you, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant. He knows that God forgives. Isn't that great? <laughs> and do you know that there's forgiveness with God? You know, there's some Christians who are so guilty because of what they've done in the past that they've never come to that realization and that place in their own heart and their own mind that God has forgiven them. They still hold on to those things and say, Lord, you probably never forgive me because it was so bad. And we hear people say that. I can't come to the Lord. I'm so bad that God will never forgive me. There's nothing that we can do that God is not going to forgive if we ask him. That's how good a father we have. That's how good a God we have. How big is your God? Can he forgive your sin? Or do you think you've sinned so much that God can't forgive you? God will and does forgive you. That's what scripture tells us. That's why we need to trust scripture and not how we feel. It's not about our feelings. It's about what the word says. And the word says there's forgiveness with God. We trust him for it and we come to him with it. David comes and he says, I've sinned. Please take away. So there's repentance going on here. And he says, I've done very foolishly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as God agrees with it. For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer you three things. 
choose one of them that I may do it unto thee. There's consequences for our sin. Sometimes even in the smallest ones, sometimes in the biggest ones. There's always going to be consequences. But what we need to realize is even if we're going through that, even though we're going through that chastisement, who's the one bringing in the chastisement? It's our Father. And if he's bringing it, we know what's going to come afterwards. Just like with our fathers, there was spankings, but afterwards there was hugs and there was an acknowledgement. I'm still your father. I still love you. I still care for you. I still want you to walk with me. So come and learn the right way. <laughs> so Gad comes to David in verse 13, and he tells him, and he said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in the land, or wilt thou flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you, or that there be three days pestilence in the land? Now advise and see what answer I shall return unto him that sent me. <laughs> Amazing. Seven years of famine, three months of fleeing before your enemies, or three days of pestilence. You know what I see in all three of these? Is that God guarantees him he's going to be alive, whether it's seven years, whether it's three months, or whether it's three days. David, you're going to go through the whole thing. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? That God tells him these things are going to come to pass if you choose it, but you're going to stay alive through the whole thing. And then who's going to be with him through it? Hmm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to be with me even in the hardest of times, even in the most hurtful times. You're going to be there. And so David looks at those things. He's been used to fleeing from his enemy. Remember, he ran from Saul for years, uh, running through all that place and going through all those things. He's been through famines. He's been in that place where things have gone on. Uh, he's been through days of pestilence. And so David says unto Gad in verse 14, I am in a great strait, but let us now fall into the hand of the Lord. You know what it is for me? Is there option D? <laughs> How about nothing? You just forgive me and we just go on. <laughs> the Lord says, no, you need to learn so that you grow in it so that you don't want to go back to it ever again. And you know, we hear people all the time, I wish I was 20 again. I don't wish I was 20 again. I don't want to go back. <laughs> I want to keep going forward. I'm in this old now and I'm close to heaven. I don't want to go back to be 20 again and live, live 50 more years and go through the same junk because I know how stupid I am. I'll fall into the same dumb sins and I'll do the same dumb things unless my Lord is gracious in the midst of it and, and doesn't allow that. But boy, oh, I want to go home to heaven. And the closer I get, the more I want to be there. I don't want to go through this all over again. Wouldn't it be awful if this was like the Twilight Zone thing and you went back and started all over again? This is like deja vu. Didn't I do this before? Oh, it would be, I'd come back as a worm. It would, ugh. I, I'd be... I'd, I'd be fish bait. <laughs> How awful could that be? Come on. 
And David says, I'm in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord. And isn't that the place that we want to go? Because the hands of the Lord are the hands that hold us, are the hands that keep us, are the hands that sustain us, are the hands of love and mercy and grace. Lord, let me fall into your hands. Don't let me fall into man's hands. Oh. He says, uh, let us now fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are great. Let me not fall into the hand of, of, a, of a man. Oh. Let me not take the discipline of man, but Lord, let me take yours. Your, your discipline may be greater and quicker and swifter, but Lord, it's always sure and it's good. Lord, let me fall into your hands. Th this man, David, has grown in grace and in the knowledge of his Lord, and he knows that there's safety in God's hands. Who holds us in his hand, it tells us in Scripture? Jesus. And our names are graven in his hands. Our names are there. And if he would die for us, isn't he going to hold us and keep us through all the hard things that we go through here in this world? Oh, Lord, help me to see how sure your hands are, how good your hands are, how strong your hands are, that you can keep me. And he says, let me fall into the hands of the Lord. His maturity is showing in his walk with the Lord. Uh, even though he sinned, there's maturity in this place that he's in now. And we still sin, and we still see that, that maybe our sins aren't what they used to be. And so we see that there's growth going on. But Lord, I have so far to go, it feels like. Don't you feel that way sometimes as you read scripture in the morning, as you get in your word, and you see all the things that are written and go, Lord, how come I haven't gotten this yet? How come I'm not there? We realize how far we have to go. But we have a God who's going to take us all the way. Oh, hang on to him. Don't let him go. Don't get discouraged in your walk. Don't get depressed because you're, you're not perfect. <laughs> if you were per perfect, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> so uh, we need to go through these things just to see how good our God is, but to see how holy our God is also, and to see how righteous our God is. We need to see that because in that, it just brings us to a place then where we're going to trust him more than we trust the ways of the world. And we've got a government that's telling us that things are getting better and that things are going to get more wonderful and everything's going to go back to normal. And then out of the other side of their mouth, they're standing on campaign promises that want abortion to be the number one slogan in their campaign. We go, wait a minute, something's really wrong with this whole picture. We know what's going to happen to our country, whether we get another reprieve or whether we don't. We see reports out there, uh, and there's been a couple of them that have been coming out uh, in the last few months, I guess, uh, that the Euphrates River is starting to dry up. Gee, I think I read that in Scripture where a 200 million man army is going to cross, cross over on dry land because the Euphrates is going to be dried up. Gee, I wonder who's doing all this. Who's in charge? It's not our government. It's God. It's still God that's in charge. We trust him. 
whether we're in a country that loves the Lord, whether we're in a country that doesn't love the Lord. He's still the God of individuals, of you and me, and we can trust him. No matter what place we're in, no matter what country, no matter what time, no matter what season, God is still in charge. We trust him. <laughs> uh, so David says, let us now fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are great. Do you know how great your God's mercies are towards you? Lord, let me just sit one day and just look at your mercy and to know how great your mercy is. Because if you can forgive me, if you can forgive every person that's come to you, if you can forgive David for murder, if you can forgive David for killing uh, people, if you can forgive David for falling into sin, you can forgive me for falling into sin. And Lord, help me to see that mercy and that grace so that I won't want to go there anymore. Because isn't that... Shouldn't that be what the result of that is, of us looking at his mercy? is not so that we can go out and do whatever we want, <laughs> but to do what God wants. That's going to push us towards Jesus even more. It says, your mercies are great, and it pushes David to that place. Let me not fall into the hand of man, but let me fall into your hands, Lord. So the Lord set a sent a pestilence from Israel from the morning, God faithful in his word, he said, you're going to go through one of these things. And he doesn't say, okay, just because you were a nice guy today, I'll let it go. <laughs> David, you need to learn how bad your sin is. You need to see how bad your heart is. And you're not going to learn if you never go through things. So let me show you, David, that I'll be with you in the midst of it. The Lord sends a pestilence upon Israel from the morning uh, even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba, remember from north to south, uh, in, this, in this morning time, and really what we see is it's about six hours. <laughs> uh, he doesn't even go through three days. He only gets six hours of it. 70,000 people died. Oh, David, because of your sin, this is what's happened. And again, you look at that and you go, well, Lord, that, that's pretty awful. David's the one that sinned. Why would others have to suffer? And then we have to come back and look at the, the thing. Lord, because of my sin, Jesus died. Why would Jesus have to die because I sinned? And we also look at it, too, as the Lord knows who's never going to come to repentance. The Lord knows the condition of man. And he knows who's ready for heaven, who's not ready for heaven. He knows who to bring home. Whether some of these people were saved, they probably were. Some of them not saved, never going to get saved, God knows. But what we know is that it says in Scripture that God is good all the time. And all the time God is good. And whatever he does is right and holy and just. But we look at it and the world looks at it and says, See, you got a mean God. He kills people. What we don't see is that some of them went straight to heaven. Don't know. But we know that God is good. Do you trust it? No matter what you see coming around you. Because if you can't trust him in this, what else can't you trust him with? Mm. Lord, I need to trust you no matter what I see. No matter what I hear. That I'm going to trust you. 
Oh, a great lesson, especially in the times that we're in, because the times aren't going to get better. They're going to get harder and harder. Uh, but boy, it's a great time to be alive. You know, we look at it and go, this is awful out here. But you know what? We're one day closer to him coming back for the group plan or for a single plan that we're just going to go home to heaven. I've already lived past my three score and ten. <laughs> I got an extension somewhere. I don't know how I got it, but I got an extension. But I could go home any time. Any of us. With my grandson just going home just before Christmas. I didn't know it was going to be his time. I thought I'd go before he did. But God knows, and he knows who to bring home and when to bring him home. And we trust him with it. Lord, I trust you. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your long-suffering with us. You know how long-suffering he is? He suffered with you and I every day that you've been alive. Oh, even when we didn't know him, he suffered with us. And he still suffers with me. The thoughts in my mind. The car cuts me off. Where's the torpedo button? You know, I just, I want to blow this guy off the road. Come on. <laughs> How dumb can you be? I died for him, Billy. Oh, okay, Lord. How long-suffering he is with us. The thoughts that go through our minds, the hearts that we have. Lord, thank you that you're this long-suffering. Your mercies are great. And notice he says mercy, not just one mercy, lots of mercies. <laughs> so the Lord set a pestilence upon Israel from morning to the time appointed, and there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, he's come to that place in Jerusalem, he's going to destroy Jerusalem. The Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, it's enough. It wasn't that God repented from what he had done and said, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. It's that he stops the time of the three days of pestilence. He sees man's heart and he sees there's a repentance there. He sees there's a turning there. And so he stops what's going on. The whole thing of God's judgment upon us sometimes is that uh, he brings that to us until we turn from our ways and then he brings blessing. It isn't that he changed his mind about us. It's that he sees our heart and he says, they no longer need this much chastisement. They need a blessing now. And so I'm going to turn from that, that place of chastisement and bring blessing upon them. It's enough. Stay now your hand in the angel of the Lord uh, was by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So here's, he comes to this place, and aren't you glad the angel of the Lord listens to God? And don't you wish you could obey as quick as the angel obeyed? Mm. Well, Lord, let me, let me get in one more hit on that person I'm yelling at, because I, I just want to say one more thing, Lord. <laughs> aren't you glad the angel didn't say that to him? There's just one more I just want to kill, Lord. <laughs> oh, it could have been you and I and our ancestry. We don't know. But he comes to Aruna. Notice the Jebusite. He's not, he's not an Israelite. These were the guys that were hewers of water and all of that. They came in. He's not a, he's not a Jewish man. 
But David comes to his place just to show him. We'll see more about him in just a minute. Hang on. And David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people. So David sees the angel that's there and says, Lo, I've sinned. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd be saying that. My loins would be loosed uh, and I'd be a mess. <laughs> But David, because he's seen so much of the things of the Lord, says, Lord, I've sinned. He sees the holiness not only of the Lord, but of the Lord's angels that are there. I've done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Do you see David's heart? It's not concerned about himself anymore. He's concerned about the people. And I think that's what God knew was coming. And so he stays the angel from slaying anymore because he sees David's heart. David, you've got a heart just like my son. And, and didn't, didn't the Lord do that for us as he saw us? And he says, what have they done? Let me die in their place. Our greater than David, our Jesus. Because what was going to happen with you and I it tells us in scripture that the wages of sin is death. We deserve death. And if we hadn't come to salvation, we would die in our sin. And Jesus said, Lord, those poor sheep, those poor people, they're going to die in their sin. Let me die in their place. Oh, how thankful we can be of what God has done. You know, every single person that's going to be in heaven is going to get there by grace, not by their works, but by grace. And we're going to realize what God has done for us as we look around and see all those millions of people or billions we don't know. However many are going to be there, every single one of them got there by grace. And whether Smoking Joe is there or Kamala or whoever is there, they got there the same way that we're going to get there, by grace. Oh, and we're going to realize how good God is. What have they done? Let your hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my Father's house. Just like Jesus is saying, let it be against me. Pour out their sin upon me, as God did that on the cross. And Gad came that day. <laughs> to David and said unto him, Go up and rear an altar, build an altar to the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded, and Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming towards him, and Aruna went out and bowed himself before the king on his face before the ground, and Aruna uh, said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Aruna said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here's oxen for burnt sacrifice, threshing instruments, and other instruments of the oxen for wood. And all these things did Aruna as the king uh, to give the, unto the king. And Aruna said to the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said to Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it at a price. And it wasn't there a price paid for you and I. 
the price still had to be paid and Jesus paid that price. We could not pay it. All we could give him was ourselves, the offering for a sacrifice. Just like Aruna, he, he had to give it. But David said, no, I need to pay a price. I need to pay the price for them. Oh. We see so much of what the Lord is going to do there. And he says, unto the Lord my God, of that which doth cost me nothing, I, I need to pay that price. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings, peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. <laughs> it, it's amazing. There, there comes repentance, then there comes worship. Shouldn't that be the same thing in our lives as we repent and we realize that there's forgiveness there for that repentance? then worship should come from our hearts. And we should offer ourselves as those living sacrifices unto God. Worship should come, and God will accept those sacrifices. But there's some interesting stuff that goes on. So you don't have to hold your place here, but, but go to uh, back to First Chronicles 21 again, and we'll see a couple of things, and then we'll have one more spot to go to. And we're good. We're, oh, we're on time. This is good. So chapter 21 uh, of Chronicles, Satan stood up against Israel, provoked David to number Israel, and David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, go and do all this stuff. Joab protests in verse 3, just like we saw in, in Samuel. Uh, uh, in verse 4, it says, Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed. Wherefore, Joab departed, went throughout all of Israel, came to Jerusalem, David, our Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to David, and, and all they of Israel were a thousand thousand and a hundred thousand men that drew sword, and so they come through all these numbers. Uh, Levi and Benjamin, verse 6, counted uh, uh, he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. Uh, amazing. Joab doesn't really finish the work that David gave him to do. Uh, because he, he knew that the Lord wasn't going to be pleased with it. Uh, there's a whole thing in there, but we don't have time for that. But uh, do that and, and go back and start looking at those things, how faithful we need to be to the things of the Lord, even if we think it's abominable, uh, that God has a plan. And God's, God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away with the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spoke unto Gad and says, Go tell David, thus saith the Lord, I offer these three things. So he comes and he does this uh, with David. David down in verse 13. Uh, in a lot of this is just repetition, but it's for a point. So hang on with me for a minute. Uh, and David said to Gad, I'm in great strait. Let me now fall into the hand of the Lord, for great are his mercies but let me not fall into the hand of man. <laughs> uh, in verse 16, David lifted up his eyes uh, and saw the angel of the Lord. Notice he lifted up his eyes. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to lift up our eyes to heaven. Uh, and where do we see mercy? We see mercy coming from the throne. He saw the angel of God stand between earth and heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over all of Jerusalem, 
Then David and the elders of Israel who were clothed in sackcloth fell on their faces. Uh, as they fall down and worship, as they fall down uh, just before the, the king of holiness that's come. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be upon me and on my father's house and not on your people. Notice what he says, on your people not my people, because when he was numbering, he was numbering them for himself, wasn't he? Because he wanted to know how many soldiers he had. Now as he sinned and he's repented, he says, they're your people, they're not my people anymore. I took the kingdom to myself, it's not my kingdom, it's what you've given me. His whole attitude has turned, his whole uh, outlook has turned, and it's now God's people. And we need to look at that with the people that are around us, whether it's Joe Biden, whether it's Kamala Harris, whether it's uh, Louise Slaughter, whether it's whoever, God died for them. As you get a bigger outlook on who your God is in the holiness of God, you have a smaller outlook on who's a sinner that you need to despise and hate here on this earth. You love him because Jesus died for him. And doesn't your heart break when you realize that somebody died in their sin and that they're never going to go to heaven? That should break our hearts. Whether it's Joe Biden, whether it's Putin, whether it's Zelensky, whoever it is, if they die in their sin, they're never going to be in the presence of the Lord receiving the mercy that only he can bring. And our hearts should break for those that are dying in their sin. Oh, and David comes to that place, they're your people. You died for them, you created them, you made them. Lord, help me not to take them to myself that they're mine. They're not mine, they're yours. And then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up uh, and set up an altar to the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan, uh, the Jebusite or Aruna, uh, the same name. And David went up at the saying of the Lord, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him. And what did they do? They hid themselves. We didn't see that in 2 Samuel. But here in Chronicles, you see it. He and his sons hid themselves from the angel of the Lord. David, out in the open, fell down and worshipped. Oh, the difference in a heart, the difference in a walk, the difference in a personality, the difference in a person. David had seen enough of the things of the Lord to realize, I need to just worship. These people went and hid. Ugh. And David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. He comes out, <laughs> he comes out from hiding to minister to David. Just an, an amazing thing that as he sees David walking with this angel that's there with a, with a sword drawn, ready to, to rip off people's heads or whatever was going on here, uh, not to be gross about it, but just the, the death that was coming. And he saw the, this angel between heaven and earth. And we see somebody else that was in that place between heaven and earth, don't we, in Scripture. Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, wasn't in heaven, 
but he wasn't on earth. He was hanging. That was there. And he was taking death. And the last enemy to be defeated, it says in scripture, was death. Mm. Ornan comes out from hiding to minister to David and he bows himself before him. He realizes the holiness, what David has seen, what David has gone through. And he realizes there's holiness in this place and he falls down. And David says to him, grant me this place, the threshing floor that I may build an altar there unto the Lord and you grant it for me for the full price and the plague may be stayed from the people. As David intercedes for the people. Isn't it amazing? What should we be doing for those that are around us that don't know Jesus? We should be interceding so that the plague of death will be stopped from their lives so that they can have real life. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, my lord the king, and do whatever is good in your eyes. I give you the oxen also for burnt offerings and the threshing instruments for wood and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. <laughs> Wouldn't you if you saw this angel sitting there with a sword drawn? <laughs> Take whatever you want, okay? <laughs> Just leave me alive. King David says to Ornan, No, but I will verily buy it for the full price. Notice stuff is still going on here on the earth. But he also is doing it right in the presence of this angel that's there. Mm -hmm. Things are going on, but now he's doing it with a different heart, with it in a different way. Things are always going to be going on around us in the heavenly realm. And we still need to take care of things here on the earth, but it's all going to be for the glory of God. And that should be our attitude. That should be our motives. That, that should be our momentum is towards the things that would give God the glory. Lord, let my life be that sacrifice for you, but while I'm still here, let me be honoring you in all that I do. And whatever I do, may I do it heartily as unto you. Colossians 3.23, right? Whatever I do, let it be done heartily as unto you, Lord. Let it not be done for my glory, but let it be done for your glory. And so David gave to Ornan... Uh, uh, the, the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. He gives him all this and, and certainly pays an exorbitant price for this, but God's glory is worth that exorbitant price, isn't it? <laughs> and David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings, peace offerings, and called upon the Lord. He wasn't doing that when he was offering, when he wanted the people to be numbered. He wasn't calling upon the Lord but now he's seen all these things that, go, that are going on. He's calling upon the Lord for it. Oh, and shouldn't that be where we are? Calling upon the things of the Lord. We see the stuff that's going on around us and we need to be calling out to the Lord for mercy for the people, to intercede for the people, to have the Lord's heart for the people. And he answered him from heaven, by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. <laughs> the Lord comes down, consumes the offering, and says, I accept it, and stops the plague. Instead of three days, it's about six hours. We need to be quick to repent, just like David, when we fall into sin, not make it a long time. Can you imagine what would have gone on if the whole three days of pestilence came upon Israel? There'd be nobody left. 
And it's six hours out of grass. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So the Lord commanded the angel and he put up his sword into the sheath thereof. Thank you, Lord, that you stopped those plagues at times. And at that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan and the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there for the tabernacle for the tabernacle of the Lord, excuse me, for the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness and the altar of the burnt offering, which were at the season in the high place at Gibeon. And David could not go before and inquire of God, for he was afraid of the sword of the Lord, of the angel of the Lord. It bothered him what was going on. The Lord was going to minister to him in the midst of it. In verse uh, 22, we, we see this statement, and then we're going to go to one more place, so hang on. And then David said, this is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. He's starting to intercede again for Israel. He was afraid of what had gone on. He was bothered by it, and he worked it through with the things of the Lord, and he says, this, this is for the Lord's tabernacle, as he starts going through it. Move over a, 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 just a few chapters. Go to Second Chronicles. Uh, and, and we're going to see uh, just something really sweet here. In, in Solomon, it says in Second in Chronicles. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, where did I go? Second uh, Chronicles 3. I'm sorry. Uh, and it says, and if you read through quickly, you're going to miss it. That's why it's so important to just read and to make sure you're seeing what you're seeing and what's there. Second Chronicles 3, we see Solomon. Uh, he's going to be building the temple now. And it says in, in chapter 3, verse 1, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem and Mount Moriah, uh, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that he had prepared for the threshing floor of Ornay and the Jebusite, and he began to build in the second day of the second month of the fourth year of his reign. Where is he building? Temple Mount. The Temple Mount. It says Moriah. What else happened to Mount Moriah? Jacob offered up. I'm Mount Moriah. Or Isaac, Jacob offering Isaac on Mount Moriah. Abraham. Yeah, I'm sorry, Abraham. Abraham. I'll get the names right yet. You know what I mean. <laughs> it's a good thing you guys are awake because I'm really asleep. <laughs> but isn't it amazing? It's Mount Moriah. You didn't see that in Samuel, but you see it in Chronicles. That it was the same place that all these offerings were offered up. And isn't that the same place that Jesus was offered up? On the Temple Mount. There's no coincidences. It's all planned by God. And it's all for the glory of God. And as you see it, you got to just get blown away. Lord, you orchestrated this from Genesis all the way into Chronicles, all the way into the New Testament. And we didn't have a clue that you were even at work. How much is he doing in our lives and in the world's that we don't even understand yet? And yet he's putting all these things together. And we just see the glory of God all over it. 
And, and it, yeah, it's almost overwhelming, isn't it? As you sit there and look at it, that God, you ordained this from time beginning. Because it tells us in Revelation 13 that Jesus died before the foundation of the world. He gave himself completely over to God's will before any of Genesis even started. Because God knew that we couldn't pay a price. And God knew that he had to pay the price for us. Because he didn't want his sheep to have to die. He didn't want you to have to die in your sin and me to die in my sin. And so he put this all together. It wasn't 14 different men that wrote all of this from Chronicles and on and before. It was God Almighty writing it and putting it together. Don't let the world tell you that this was just written by man and it's just a fairy tale. This is all real. Every word is an inspiration is given by inspiration of God. It's not man, and it's not, don't let the world tell you it is. You believe what God says for who God is because he's glorious. We haven't seen anything yet. It just, oh. <laughs> You see all, all the nations that are surrounding Israel right now are the same nations that are gonna form that confederation that are gonna come against them together. Hello. <laughs> it's not by coincidence God is putting all those things together but God is going to be victorious read the last book he wins he's already won we're just waiting to see the results of it when Jesus said on the cross it is finished everything was done everything's completed we're just waiting to see the final result of it and the final result is you and i that are believers in jesus are going to be home in heaven oh thank you lord and it's going to be glorious we're just waiting for that to come and so we cry out lord come quickly because we want to see it <laughs> we're tired of this world but you've even had that to come to pass in our lives lord because we used to love this world we used to love the things in this world. We used to love all the stuff that was here, Lord. But now you've gotten us to a place where we just want to be home with you. It's not that we so much want to escape, even though that's probably part of it, but we want to see your glory. We want to be in your presence. We want to know you as you are known. We want to know you for who you are and not what we've made you up to be, but what your word says that you are. So Lord, help us, help our hearts to be in that place where we desire you more than anything else that's here. Lord, be glorified. We thank you, Lord. We, we honor you, we glorify you, and we just give you thanks, Lord, for all that you're doing, for all that you're gonna do. We know that you're still at work with us so, Lord, help us not to just veg out and sit on a couch and, and wait for you to come and rapture the church. Lord, help us to be interceding for the world, Lord. Father, if there's nothing else that we can do, we can certainly pray. We can certainly be in a place where we're interceding for those that don't know you. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, give us more of your heart as we go, and we'll give you thanks for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.